All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining me. This is April with Eyes for the Road. Today, we're taking a fall photo trip to Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth is a great place to go. Outside Magazine named it its top outdoor destination. Has opportunities for photography, uh, kayaking, mountain biking. It's got some amazing outdoor beauty with the Lake Superior, Hawk Ridge, and other locations. So pick up your plane ticket, get your camera, and let's go meet Jane, Josh, and David as they tell us about some great things to do in Duluth for a weekend. Come on, let's go. Today I've got Josh, the station manager from North Shore Scenic Railroad in Duluth, Minnesota on the line to hear a little bit about the Scenic Railroad, um, about the trains, about some of the things you might see. So I'm going to get Josh on the line here. We're talking to him from Duluth, Minnesota. So so hope the phone recording works. So, Josh, thanks for joining me today. Hi there. Glad to be here. Thank you. Great. So, how long have you been with the trains? Um, uh, I personally have been here for 11 years, but the railroad's been here for 30 uh, years operating as the North Shore Scenic Railroad. And then um, the line has been here since 1886, so it's been around for a little while. Wow. So, tell us about some of the different trains. Sure. Um, well, we operate train excursions May through December. And uh, we run uh, train excursions all summer long, seven days a week, uh, head up the North Shore. So Duluth, Minnesota is located in a kind of a neat spot. It's right at the beginning of the greatest of the Great Lakes, Lake Superior. And it is uh, 600 feet above sea level here. So at the very the beginning of the Great Lakes chain and our track, there's about 34 miles of that goes up the North Shore, uh, beautiful vistas along the way. Wonderful. So you've got some steam engines, some different types of trains as well? Yeah, you bet. Um, in, the, you know, in, in our industry, we offer lots of different options for a wide variety of demographics. So we have, you know, obviously the family and then the, the dad and the mom and the 2.5 children are kind of the, the bread and butter of the industry. It's a, you know, it's a tourist town, it's a beautiful city here. Mm-hmm. And um, they come and we offer a, a nice brief excursion. It's an hour and a half round trip, goes up a little ways, narrows along the way. That's our daily Duluth Zephyr. But then for the real um, hardcore train bus, we have the things like the steam train runs up to two harbors all the way up, and we have a stop for lunch and wander around town and go shopping and do things like that, and then come back, and the steam locomotive is pretty cool to see. Dinner trains and all kinds of different uh, items. Wonderful. And I also noticed I, I like your website, which is, North Shore Scenic Railroad.org for photographers. There's a whole section on that somebody's put together with some great places to stop and take the pictures. Of what yeah, that's po- correct. yeah um, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we, uh, you know, photographers are a huge part of the railroad world, but for, for many years, you know, the, the photographers would, would struggle with, you know, places to go because they're, they're not from here or whatever. Well, meanwhile, those of us, you know, in the industry who are trying to sell tickets for these trains and um, try to make a little bit of uh, uh, income to help keep them running, um, you know, would struggle with that. And we found ways to 
partner with photographers to both take pictures and, and, and get good shots of the trains and stuff with information, but then also uh, maybe leave a donation along the way. Yes, I highly encourage that. Make sure if you're not taking a train ride, they've got a donate page right on their website. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's super important as photographers. If you want to preserve these trains so that future people, your kids or your you know grandkids can come and take photos and see these historic, wonderful steam trains, they need the money to keep them up. So. Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting about that, as long as we're on the topic, too, though, yeah. is that uh, once upon a time, the photographers would take a picture and they'd go home and, I don't know, print it out or whatever, hang it on the wall or, you know, make a slideshow for various groups. But, you know, in today's modern era, you know, every person along the tracks taking a picture is actually their own little marketing agency, um, you know, in the social media world where each picture that they upload, you know, gets shared by people and, and uh, you know, liked and posted and reposted commented on and whatever and it's kind of interesting uh, you know as things evolve that the the marketing arm it actually kind of takes care of it itself just for from the enthusiasm of people going out and taking pictures talking about right are there times of day that the trains are actually at the station that are good for photographers if they want to get that shot still shot as you'd say at the station there in Duluth sure well of course our, our, our Duluth depot um, is a neat location. It was built in 1892, and it's a large um, terminal that was once the place that you know 60 trains a day came and went from Duluth and everything else. Um, we operate still three or four trains a day, um, but inside there is um, the Lake Superior Railroad Museum, which owns and operates the North Shore Scenic Railroad. And the railroad museum was voted by USA Today as the best transportation museum in the country. Oh wow! Um, just last year. And um, the museum is a fantastic place for, for photos of um, static displays. Not all of them uh, run, but some of them do. And, and the Lake Superior Railroad Museum officially um, charters their trains to the Scenic Railroad to operate. So these are historic railroad artifacts from the museum that uh, we bring to life every summer here on the Scenic Railroad. Wonderful. So you have trains that run into, you'd say, mid-September or the end of September? Um, well, we actually operate through October. The fall season is a growing uh, trend um, in tourism in general. Uh, there's more and more people traveling farther into the fall. Um, there was once upon a time when we kind of shut down as of Labor Day weekend. And oh. uh, as the years have gone on, we keep adding and adding um, more offerings into the fall and then um, and continue pushing it farther back into October because the demand is there and people are asking and looking for doing stuff and um, people are out on the move. Wonderful. Do you have any special um, train enthusiast weekends as such? Yes, absolutely. Um, we have uh, all kinds of specialty excursions roughly once a month. You know, We started with uh, when we recently restored our steam locomotive. It's 111 years old. We had a big grand opening with it where we actually broke the champagne bottle over the locomotive, <laughs> took people out on a, a very specialty excursion with first-class offerings. Um, and so that was kind of the, you know, the, the start of it all. Right. And all the way to, um, we also have a rail fan weekend where we put together special contests from the museum that almost never roll <laughs> um, off the, out of the train yard. But, you know, we take them up the line and position them properly for photographers and things like that. Oh, nice. So we have all kinds of stuff for, for the true rail enthusiasts. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, if anyone's looking to take a trip yet this fall, there, there is beautiful scenery up along 
Lake Superior, Duluth is a great place to visit. So please check out the website, NorthShoreScenicRailroad.org, and book your tickets. Um, probably good to book ahead if you're going on a weekend. Probably things might fill up. That yeah. is correct, yep. Yep. Uh, reservations are always recommended, not required for all of the excursions. Some of them we require reservations for, but always check the, good to check out the website first. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Josh. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, April. All right. Take care. And today we get to talk to Jane Peterson, who's marketing manager at the Glensheen in Duluth, Minnesota. So we've been doing um, some places to visit in Duluth, and I think Glenshine is a must-see. Looks like a beautiful home and location. So let's just get started. So, Jane, welcome to Eyes for the Road. Awesome. Thank you, April. Excited to talk to you today. Great. So how long have you been part of Glenshine? Uh, I have been the marketing manager at Glenshine for about three years now. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the house? Yeah, absolutely. So it was built by a man named Chester Congdon, an iron ore tycoon, and his wife, Clara Congdon. Uh, they had a family of their own with eight kids. Uh, construction completed in 1909, and then uh, the last living family member uh, lived at Glenshine until 1977. Great. So what do you find most interesting about the Congdon family and some of their accomplishments? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> well, they were uh, a really impactful family to not only Duluth, but the region, uh, the state, and actually the nation, uh, because... Chester Congdon was a part of the whole U.S. steel uh, conglomeration creation, and we'll just leave it at that to keep it a long mm -hmm. story short. Yeah. Um, but the coolest part for visitors when coming to Duluth and understanding the impact that the Congdon family had has had on the region is Chester Congdon uh, was the chief visionary for the North Shore Scenic Drive. So it's that awesome scenic highway right along Lake Superior that you take from Duluth all the way up to the Canadian border. And so uh, Chester wanted a road that would connect to the lakeside communities as well as uh, giving it a great way to experience the North Shore from recreation tourism, other economic factors, and he actually paid for part of the road, too. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Do you know where the name Glenshing came from? Yeah. So, it's funny how people nickname their own homes, right? Yeah, uh, it, wasn't, it, <laughs> it wasn't the Glenshing family. Uh, they nicknamed their mansion, and it's called Glenshing because... Uh, Glensheen sits on a land, a piece of land called a glen, which is formed by two bodies of water. So Tisher Creek runs mm -hmm. on one side of the mansion, and then Bent Brook runs on the other side of the mansion, and so that creates a glen. And then the sheen part comes from the shine or the sheen off of Lake Superior, which the mansion sits on the shore of. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Always, always because a lot of families, like you said, would just name their home after themselves. So Exactly. You know, think of it as the Congdon Mansion. And it's funny on tour for first-time visitors, a lot of people think that the family's last name was Glenshine. Yeah. 
So what about the home su- surprises you the most? Oh, boy. Uh, well, you know, it's funny because every time you go in the mansion, you notice something new. We have visitors say all the time that they've been back uh, for multiple tours, and every time they notice something new. Uh, but one of the really cool, interesting facts about Glensheen is that it was built with the utmost quality and just superior uh, goods and quality of product in the mansion. Uh, the Congdon family, they have another mansion, which is twice the size of Glensheen in Yakima Valley, Washington. Oh. Uh, that's, they nicknamed that one the Congdon Castle, uh, but it was built for half the cost of what it cost to build Glensheen, build and furnish Glensheen. Hmm. So um, the interiors are amazing at Glensheen, which everybody seems to be blown away and wowed about. Right. And the collection, I understand most of the belongings of the family are still in the home, just as they were. Yes. Yep. So, which is rare for a lot of historic homes. More often than not, um, on the tour of a historic home, the guide will point out things that are original to the home, but we're actually the exact opposite. We point out which isn't original to the home. And so basically everything that you see in the home from the couches to the lamps to the window treatments are all original to the home. Oh my goodness. So how did the university kind of get involved in maintaining the home and Sure. So uh, Elizabeth Congdon, who is the youngest daughter of Chester and Clara, and she was the one who lived in the mansion until she passed, uh, donated it to the university and wanted it to be used as a community facility as we use it today. And so she just really wanted uh, the legacy of her family and wanted to share Minnesota's mansion with everyone. Oh, that's wonderful. And you have, I mean, I've noticed you do have a lot of interesting events happening over the summer. Can you tell us about some of the unique offerings um, that visitors can participate in? Yeah, absolutely. So just in 2017, we've finally added a new event series for every month. Uh, Leading up to 2017, we had event series just about every month. The most popular one and kind of what spurred this whole event series idea was a event series that we call Concerts on the Pier, Mm -hmm. uh, where Minnesota and Duluth bands play, like literally play out on our 100-foot pier and then the guests can watch them from the shoreline on the pier and the grass and um, but what's most fun about it is that some of the best seats to watch the band play are from the lake so people will kayak in they'll paddle board in they'll bring their sailboats or other boats and so it really creates a super unique Duluth evening and summer experience yeah it does and then you've got food and, and things like that too on those nights as well Yeah, we have a cash bar, of course, with, you know, local beer and then food trucks, and we try to keep it really localized. Yeah, great. And so tell us about some of the tours, too, because you do offer some unique offerings, like at night and some of that as well. Yeah, so our two most popular tours and 
really the uh, regular tours that we begin with or recommend any experience starts with is the classic tour or the full mansion tour. Um, but also some of our new tours that we're really excited about, we just launched a new tour, and this is, I kid you not the name, <laughs> uh, the Best Damn Tour. And so what it is is you start on a Tuesday evening with the estate pretty much to yourself, uh, kayak on Lake Superior, check out Tisher Creek, um, then come on shore for a lakeside bonfire. And then what a lot of people's favorite uh, tour and experience at Glenshine has been is to end the evening with a flashlight tour in the mansion when it's all completely dark. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, but that's just our newest. Uh, we have all kinds of other tours. Another really popular specialty tour that we offer is the Nooks and Crannies Tour, which is a newer tour as of the last few years. Um, in the past four years, we've opened up over 15 new spaces that haven't been available for the public to see. Oh, wow. And so the Nooks and Crannies Tour is just that highlighting those spaces that have been closed off like... Uh, the inside of the boathouse and the second floor of the carriage house where you can see where all of the carriages were stored and going out onto Clara's uh, private balcony with amazing view of the formal garden. And I, I think it is my favorite tour just it because is, you yeah. get to see all those awesome spaces. Oh, wow. So for photographers, um, can you tell me about some of the opportunities you offer for photographers? Yeah, absolutely. We love having photographers and videographers on the estates. Uh, we welcome it. Uh, we have a photography pass, which allows photographers or really anybody of any skill set to come on the estate and take photos um, during our business hours and just kind of explore the grounds, take some photos, have a good time. But we also have a photo tour that we launched earlier this summer that we were super excited about. Um, some of the most beautiful times to be on the estate are early morning. And so this tour starts right away in the morning at 730. Uh, we provide coffee for you. So if the <laughs> early morning is a bit of a deterrent, we have coffee to help you. And uh, the tour guide shows you all the most uh, photogenic locations on the estate and pauses to allow you the time to make sure that you get that perfect shot. And um, it's just a really cool way way to experience glunching and take your time to get that okay. great picture. Yeah. Do you allow photography inside the mansion as well or? Yeah, so on tour, uh, we encourage photography, we encourage people to post on social media, use hashtag glunching. We just ask that you turn your flash off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understandable. Um, mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the landscape. I understand the landscape's pretty extensive as well and the gardens. Yeah, so the grounds end up being a lot of the staff's favorite places to spend time on the estate. Mm -hmm. uh, the grounds were um, designed by a high-class landscape art architect who actually ended up designing a lot of Duluth, the landscape of Duluth, oh, wow. like uh, the bridges and a lot of different other structures. And so, yeah, it's just 
the grounds are amazing. And it's funny because I mentioned Bent Brook earlier. Um, people will notice that there's cement at the bottom of the brook. And they'll say, hey, why did the university do that? Or why did you cement that brook? And uh, we say, well, you know what? The Congdens wanted it that way. Clara Congdon wanted a babbling brook throughout her property. So, well, they made one. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And then I understand with the gardens, you also grow produce that gets donated? Yeah, so we work with the University of Minnesota Extension Service, and our head gardener runs a crew of UMB students to help her with this. Uh, but we donate uh, over, we've had, let's see, over 13,000 pounds of produce oh since 2006, and we've been doing this, and that equates to uh, 10,000 meals that have been created uh, from the Northern Waters, or excuse me, um, Northern Lakes Food Bank. Um, that, that's the food bank that we donate the products to. Yeah, that's actually really a great, you know, a great thing to do. I mean, I don't know of any other historic homes, essentially, that may be doing that. Yeah, and it's really cool because it's a research garden, and so they're always testing different varieties of produce to see what grows best in the growing climate that we have here in Duluth. And so we'll have unique things like purple tomatoes and all kinds of different onions and uh, six different varieties of raspberries, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's fun. So out of the things in the home, what do you think is like your favorite feature about the house? Because I'm sure at the time they designed it, it was kind of, you know, I'm sure it had some unique features having, you know, that they had the money to do whatever they wanted, essentially. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you two different things. So my favorite room in the house is the living room. Uh, The reason why it's my favorite room is because, you know, you and I have iPads, iPhones, computers. Uh, You know, we can listen to awesome podcasts to keep us entertained. Uh, But they didn't have those back in the early 1900s. So they actually had to talk to one another. And Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of really interesting conversation pieces in the living room uh, that are some of my favorite pieces. But uh, one of the cool things is that uh, the showers in the mansion in the bathrooms have multiple shower heads and it just looks like it would be the best way to start your day with a shower like that every morning. Yeah, that's really interesting. So Mm -hmm. how many rooms and bathrooms does the house have? There are 39 rooms and, oh gosh, (laughs) people always ask me how many fireplaces there are, (laughs) but I want to say there are 13 bathrooms, oh my gosh, is that right? Um, I know there's 15 fireplaces, I can tell you that. Oh my goodness. Wow. Did they use Mm -hmm. coal or wood-burning fireplaces? Uh, Wood-burning. They also had central heat, but they used the fireplaces as well as sort of that extra warmth. Oh, my gosh. And so how much of the house would you say is open for the tours? Uh, all of it. Oh, like, depending of it. on the tour. Yeah, depending oh, wow. on the tour that you take, you can see every inch of the mansion. We have a uh, premiere tour that we introduced last year, and that is a three- to four-hour tour, and you get to see absolutely everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. amazing. So what- yeah, people love it. What things do you have coming up in the fall? Since I know it's probably summer's kind of winding down, but a lot of people like to come up to Duluth and the North Shore in the fall when the leaves start to turn. And 
Yeah, it's a beautiful time to come to Glensheen. Glensheen is perfectly situated right at the very start of the North Shore, which is the drive that people like to take to look at the fall colors. But Mm -hmm. um, we're excited to be offering flashlight tours uh, the week leading up to Halloween. We're really excited about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're bringing back a event that we started last year called Night at the Museum. It's happening on Wednesday, October 4th. And it's a time when we open up the mansion and the estate to the community and we offer uh, free self-guided tours of the mansion. There's food trucks and you get to explore the estate. Uh, we have um, you know, spotlights highlighted on certain areas of the estate so you can really have a good time exploring it at night and it's just a different experience to see the mansion in the darkness. Oh yeah, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So what hours are, are the grounds open in the fall for those coming up in September and October? if they want to come yeah so we are open year-round we're open daily 9 a.m to 4 p.m oh wonderful and the website Mm -hmm. is glensheen.org which lists all of the different tours in detail and you can buy tickets there i believe as well correct yeah you got it so do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on as far as further restorations or new events So, as far as uh, restoration goes, this upcoming year is a bonding cycle for uh, the Minnesota legislature, Mm -hmm. and so we will be seeking support from the legislature, and um, we've been fortunate enough to have some good traction so far in that. And we hope to someday be able to uh, completely restore the boathouse and pier, which I've mentioned a few times on the phone call today. Um, but the boathouse, uh, so you, we're hoping that it will be uh, restored where you can really imagine what the 53-foot yacht Congdon Hysteria oh would gosh. look like <laughs> sitting in the boathouse. And then um, there's also a big chunk of the pier missing that Lake Superior, uh, unfortunately, took away over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're hoping to restore the pier, which created a safe harbor for boats. And eventually, we'd love to restore the uh, three-tier terrace that we have on the um, south side of the mansion, which faces the lake. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're hoping that all of that goes well. So uh, any listeners out there that are uh, really passionate about restoring Glensheen, we'd love for you to write a letter of support to uh, your legislator or your representative. Um, But also, in terms of other events that we have coming up, uh, Christmas is quickly becoming one of our busiest seasons, and we're bringing back the Christmas tour, and we're really excited to be offering our candlelight Christmas tour evenings again this year which is super amazing it's so magical Uh, we have 25 Christmas trees during the Christmas season throughout the mansion and during these candlelight Christmas tours we turn off all the lights but we only move on the Christmas trees and so yeah so you're guided through the mansion um, by the light of the Christmas trees which is pretty magical yeah, that is pretty magical. It must be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. We tried it for the first time two years ago, and we were just wowed and said, okay, we need to make this happen for the public to see it too. 
So what do you think is the best part of your job? Because it sounds like you have just a fun job and a wonderful place to be a part of. Yeah, you know, it's it's really just that is being able to come up with these experiences for people and giving them reasons to come back to Glenshine because they always end up learning something when they're here. Um, you know, they're excited about, you know, seeing the gardens or going for a kayak tour or seeing a big giant mansion, but the best part is that they learn something when they're here. And um, they always, you know, a lot of times people will fall in love with the mansion and the story of the family and then bring their friends and other family members back. And so um, it's just really cool to see people happy and having a good time. Oh, yeah. And it's wonderful that the family, the, the Congans, you know, kind of wanted it that way by, yeah, you know, making sure it was donated to the university in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jane. I really much appreciate you sharing about Glenching. And if anyone's heading up to Duluth, I would highly recommend taking a visit and taking your cameras and driving the North Shore Drive as well as stopping at the ground. Yes, absolutely. We can't wait to have everybody. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jane. Yeah, thank you. We're doing a trip to Duluth, so we're talking to Dave with the Duluth Experience. So, Dave, tell me how you started your company. Sure. Yeah, well, um, geez, it goes back to 2012, and I had just moved back to Duluth. I actually was born and raised in Duluth, um, but I moved away like a lot of people did my age um, and pursued other things for a while. Mm -hmm. But when I came back to Duluth in 2012, I was really blown away by what was happening in Duluth with the craft beer culture, the sort of outdoor active lifestyle community. Um, there was just a lot of really interesting things happening with the arts. And so what really um, kind of boggled my mind is why there wasn't anybody that was kind of tying it all together in some sort of an experience that made it sort of accessible to people who are either visiting or people who weren't necessarily part of those communities, but wanted to explore and connect with that. Right. Uh, there just really wasn't anything going on in Duluth that was tying it all together. And so a couple of guys and I were kind of, you know, talking about this specifically as it related to the craft beer scene, cause we were all beer drinkers and um, we had a lot of friends and connections in the craft beer scene. And that was a time at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, where Minnesota's craft beer scene was really, um, exploit and Duluth was, was part of that, um, that growth. So we were thinking, well, geez, wouldn't it be cool if somebody could, could tie all these great things together, the outdoors, the craft beer, the arts, the theater, the music, yeah. um, and the history, you know, the stories behind Duluth and how it got to be what it is today, where it's going in the future. Um, so, so you know, at, at some point we're like, well, instead of just kind of talking about it and wondering why it's not happening, maybe we should just see if we can make it happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we started to, you know, do the, the standard sort of pre-business research and looking at, uh, you know, visitor numbers over the last couple of years and, and, you know, writing a business plan and all that, that kind of stuff. Um, and we decided that there was enough of a compelling argument to, to go for it for us to go for it. Good. So we decided to start this business and really it's based on connecting people to Duluth. And, um, and that's kind of how it got started. It really got started over a couple of beers and just a conversation about, uh, about what we could do to sort of tie everything together. 
Right. Yeah, that's great. So your interest is kind of the outdoors, the brewery. I mean, just a little bit of everything. You have a quite a range of different types of experiences and tours. Yeah, you know, our, our focus is really that connection. Um, we want to connect people to Duluth in a, in a meaningful way. We want to create these memorable events in their visits to Duluth or even folks that live here. Actually, a lot of our, a lot of our guests are locals and it's about creating that deeper connection with the city, the trails, the, the local businesses. And so we, we really use tours, I guess, or experiences really is what we like, to, what we like to call them. Mm-hmm. We use those as a tool to really connect people. And, and that, having that as sort of our, our philosophy on, on how we run our business allows us to do a lot of different things. We're super flexible in the different types of experiences we can create. And so that's really fun. The creativity part of it for me is really exciting. Yeah. So how many different guides do you have now? Or it kind of varies depending on what you're offering? It, it varies seasonally. Um, Duluth uh, is, you know, part of the economy here, certainly uh, tourism. And so there's a lot of travelers that come to Duluth every year. I think the last estimate was 6.7 million people on an annual basis, which is pretty big for a city of our size. You know, we're only 86 or so thousand people yeah. that live here. Um, but we get a lot of visitors, uh, 6.7 million people visit Duluth on an annual basis, which is actually a really big number for a of our size. Yeah. Yeah. We only have like 86,000 people or so that lives in, du- in Duluth. So wow. that's a, that's a big influx each year. A lot of that comes during what we, I guess you'd call the peak season, which is June through the end of October. And then. So during that time, we have, uh, right now we have 12 guides on staff, and that's pretty, pretty standard for us. We've been in operation for, uh, this is our fifth season, and so the last three seasons, we've, we've had uh, 12 people on staff in the summer. Wow. And then in the wintertime, uh, well, a lot of our guides are teachers and students, mm-hmm. so they'll head back to school um, here pretty quick, and then, um, it, you know, we kind of, things t- will slow down a little bit, uh, once November hits. And so we typically will have about six people on staff throughout the, I guess, the winter, the off season, I guess, but we're still, we still try to stay pretty active in the winter. Right. Yeah. I noticed you did, uh, you do offer some, what looks like some fun stuff in the winter with the fat, fat, is it fat tire bikes? Yeah, we do mountain bike in the winter, uh, with fat tire bikes, Duluth, um, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably no, Duluth, or maybe not, but I don't know. Uh, Duluth is, is, is very well known for its mountain bike trails. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the International Mountain Bicycling Association recently, within the last couple of years, identified Duluth as one of six cities in the world that has what, you, what they consider to be a gold-level ride status, which is the, is the best you can get. Um, and it's based on, of course, the quality of the trails and the terrain and the accessibility and the various... Um, levels that can be that can access the trails um, in terms of skill level, but then oh, wow. also the city around the trail and what the city has to offer. So Duluth is sort of on the rise in terms of mountain biking, and the winter biking here is spectacular. Yeah, that's it's actually awesome. my favorite. My favorite riding is actually in the wintertime. Um, it's it's a really neat, surreal experience. Yeah, and then we have snowshoeing and, and our brewery tours. Of course, people like craft beer all year round, so those are pretty pretty steady throughout the year. Um, which is fun too. And then we kind of combine some of them too. Um, we have a, we have a night, a night ride. It's a fat tire biking, uh, after the sun has gone down and, uh, we have these, these really cool, powerful headlights that we put on the bikes and, and then, uh, we ride around for a couple hours and then we head down to one of the local breweries and grab a beer. 
and oh, wow. kind of celebrate and reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds real fun. So I also noticed you've got some fall tours coming up, including a photo workshop. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the fall colors photo workshop has been something that we've been, uh, that we get really excited about. Obviously the fall colors, it's like kind of held in that, that change of the season. And it's just a really exciting time with the harvest festivals and, um, and so we're really excited because we partnered with a local professional photographer named William Hurst, mm-hmm. um, from William Hurst photography, who's just a great guy. I actually went to high school with him, So I've known him forever. Oh, wow. Amazing photographer. And so, um, essentially we partnered with him and, uh, he really gets into the technical aspects of not only the fall colors aspect of like making those colors pop when you're shooting photographs, but also we focus a lot on the streams. Mm-hmm. and photographing the, the flow of water. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we do that every October, and this year it'll be on October 1st. Um, we, we cut it off at eight people, so we keep it really sort of small and intimate. It's not a big group. We, we, we really don't. In fact, our, we really focus on small groups in general yes. um, because it's just a better experience for everybody involved. Um, so, yeah, so that's coming up, and... Um, we get people from all different skill levels in, for that workshop. And the nice thing about having that small size is that folks that are, are on the beginning, beginner end of the spectrum um, really get a lot of time with Bill, um, you know, to, to really kind of learn more about how their camera works and how to really take advantage of some of those, you know, settings mm-hmm. and, and options and things like that. Then folks who are a little bit more advanced also have a, have a chance to really pick his brain on how he, you know, dials in his own photography and, and, and then we get into, you know, photo management, um, using like Lightroom and some of the Photoshop product products with the Adobe products and, um, a little bit of photo editing at the end of the session. It's a really nice workshop. Yeah, it sounds great. And it's beautiful up in Duluth in the fall in that area along the north. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it, the, uh, it's really busy in Duluth with visitors through that fall color season, which, which, is kind of extends into late October typically. Right. Um, and so a lot of people come here from all over to, to uh, explore that. The other cool thing we have, like right at that same time is this unbelievable natural phenomenon. It's the Hawk migration through Duluth. Oh, um, wow. so there's this part of Duluth called the Hawks Ridge and there's actually a bird observatory up there where they've been counting raptors, um, and, uh, the migration and kind of tracking the migration patterns for, Decades, so we've got this long-term database. It's run through partnership with the um, the University of Minnesota Duluth and some other bird researchers up here, uh-huh. and that actually brings people from around the world up to Duluth. So you go up to this area, Hawks Ridge, which kind of overlooks Lake Superior and the, the east, the eastern side of Duluth, looking up the North Shore, and there's just people lined up, and there's everybody's, you know, people have got binoculars, and oh, wow. it's really festive, and there's people with these huge cameras with these beautiful like lenses on them that are you know it's just like wow yeah there's a lot of people that really get into it and then there's a team of biologists up there who are counting um the raptors and kind of identifying and then there's naturalists up there who will um you know like they'll bring uh you know bring knowledge to the people who are up there who may have just been stopping by just to check out the you know what's going on up here um and just teaching people about raptors and it's really a neat event so that's happening at the same time so that brings a lot of people into it as well so that's that October part, that October um, month is just really fun in Duluth. Oh, wonderful. So tell us a little bit about some of the other, I mean, you have a bunch of different types of tours. So. 
Tell, yeah. tell us about some of the other ones too. Sure. Sure. So, um, let's see where to begin. We, we offer a lot of different tours. I think for us, that's probably our, our biggest strength is that we're diverse in, in the different types of experiences that we've created. Um, again, with the idea of connecting people to Duluth, I get really excited about the, um, the experiences that involve taking people kind of behind the scenes. It's kind mm-hmm. of like the, you know, we want people to sort of feel like they're locals when they're here with us, you know, like here's where the locals go. Here's, oh, yeah. here's, like, this is where I would go to go mountain biking, or this is like my spot where I like to go have coffee or, oh, nice. you know, just giving insight like that. Um, so I get really excited about these, these, uh, experiences that we've created where we partner with other businesses that we're friends with and, and really, um, you know, we spend time with these people even when we're not doing tours. Um, mm-hmm. So the breweries, you know, we have our brewery tours, which is a behind the scenes tour of a couple of different breweries and it includes a meal and we're and these are our friends breweries and our friends restaurants and they're just they're so good. They're, these people are passionate about what they're doing and they, they love, they, they understand the idea of the experience. They, they right. get it. You know, they, right. they want to make sure that people are getting something special and that's really important. Um, we have this really cool, this, this new tour that we just started this past summer which I am super jazzed about. It's called the Heart of Duluth Walking Tour. Yeah, I was reading and a little it bit is, of that. Um, Tell us. Yeah, so the Heart uh, of Duluth, that, the, the Heart is an acronym, H-A-R-T. It's the Historic Arts and Theater District in downtown. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially, um, if, if you know Duluth, Duluth um, is kind of a long city in downtown. The main drag through downtown is Superior Street. Right. Um, and the Heart District is this historic theater district, um, extends from about Lake Avenue to about 8th Avenue East. Well, there's a couple of different theaters there, um, and, uh, and there's a bunch of different really cool, like, artisan craft-based businesses. And so we, we bring people uh, on a walking tour into the Heart District, and we go behind the scenes at a local coffee roastery. Oh, and, right. um, and we get to go in, and we get to obviously sample coffee. They have, um, they also collaborate with a local brewery on a beer. So we get to sample a beer. We get to learn about kind of their philosophy, their business idea, why they're in the heart district and, um, you know, like where do they get their beans and what's their vision. And so that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Then we go to a local glass blower and we get a demonstration, uh, there and, and get to kind of get a feel for what his story is and how he ended up in this arts district. And we go to the, uh, this community center where they support the arts through, they have a theater, they have a cinema where they show like, um, you know, short films and artisan films and then other interesting movies and that sort of thing. Right. And they also um, have a really cool cafe. So we, we sample some of their, their food and learn about their um, role in supporting community arts. And then we end that tour at uh, a local brewery where um, they've sort of renovated this old historic building in the arts theater, uh, theater and arts district and, um, and, you know, started brewing beer. So it's really kind of a cool, again, behind the scenes, the story behind the story kind of feel. Um, and the walking tours have been super popular the last couple of years, which is really exciting for, for us. Um, so we've seen a lot of, a lot of people getting involved with those. Um, the outdoor adventure in Duluth is, I mean, it's hard to beat. You know, we've got, like I already kind of talked about the Duluth Traverse mountain bike trail, which is this world-class mountain bike trail. I'm lucky because I get to do a lot of the mountain bike tours. I like to guide those. So oh, nice. I do a lot. I, I do a lot of cycling, which is super fun. I love it. Um, we have a road bike tour that goes from Duluth to two harbors along the North Shore. Oh, wow. Um, where we 
Yeah, that one's really fun. It's uh, it's beautiful. We stop along the way and look for agates and talk about the geology of the North Shore, and then we end at a brewery up in Two Harbors and have uh, have lunch and a beer to celebrate our victories. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So we've got a lot, and we've got history and sightseeing bus tours. So, like I said, I think one of the one of the strengths and one of the things that's really been a, an asset for us is just the diversity of of what we offer, which is. And it keeps it fresh and fun for our guides. And we're always um, adding new content and and developing new stories to incorporate into our tours. And it's a, it's that sort of idea of always be learning, you know, this continual process of, of improving and learning more and building upon what we've already started, which is, it's, that's what I love about it. Yeah. It's exciting because you do, there's so many different things for people to take part in. Yeah, and it's always it's never you know it's never the same experience from from group to group. Of course, there's a framework that we've developed for the for the experience, whether it's the walking tour I just described or something else. But you know, because it's a small group, it it really allows for a lot of flexibility in how the tour evolves. You know, over that that time, and so depending on the group, you know, we can kind of tailor things to what they're interested in, which is also really really fun. And that flexibility and adaptability is really, I think, important. Right. On the biking tours, um, what kind of skill level do people need to have for those? Sure. So, yeah, um, in terms of, like, skill levels for mountain biking and even for kayaking, we, we really, um, it's really more important that people are willing to, to just learn and kind of go a little bit out outside of their comfort levels. We don't really require any previous uh mountain biking experience of course you need to know how to ride a bike to, right. to join us i don't want to i don't want to have to get the training wheels out but <laughs> yeah, uh, gotcha. um, but yeah a lot of the people that we um that come mountain biking with us have have maybe been on a mountain bike before you know maybe they've been on the trails a few times to kind of get a feel for it but a lot of the times they they haven't and they they're bikers or they've you know they've ridden bikes on paved trails but they really don't know what mountain biking is all about so we, we actually incorporate a lot of um like here's how you ride a mountain bike here are the here's the difference between what your experience is and what we're going to do today mm-hmm. um you know everything from how to uh you know how to fit yourself to make sure that the bike is fit right for you and the helmets fit right um to some really basic kind of techniques on mountain biking in general and then um, throughout the ride, you know, we, we stop and focus on different skills depending on the different features that we're going to be encountering on the, on the trail, whether it's, you know, uh, let's just say you have to ride up over like a route or a rock or you have to, um, you know, climb up a little hill. Um, we'll, we'll kind of work with people. And, of course, again, we can adapt to, their, to what their comfort and ab- level is and ability level is. But we're, it's really about kind of in- introducing people to a new experience yeah. Um, and so we focus a lot on education and, you know, everything from, like I said, the, the basic skills to um, safety when you're just out in general, um, but out on a mountain bike in particular. And then also, um, you know, like mountain bike etiquette. And then, you know, a lot of people are really interested in like, well, what kind of bikes, you know, should I be looking at if I want to buy a bike? And so a lot of a lot of times people want to get out, especially this is really true with our fat tire biking in the wintertime because there's a lot of interest right now um, and it's been growing over the last couple of years of winter mountain biking and everybody's starting to see these fat tire bikes around yeah, town. Yeah. And so they want, they're like, well, I want to try it. What is it? What's it all about? <laughs> Why are the tires so fat? You know, like 
And then they're like, well, what kind of bike should I, you know, because they're going to start having a blast. They're like, well, what kind of bike should I get? Um, we had a guy on a tour last winter, um, Jim, um, and I run into him all the time. So he's a local here in Duluth and he and his wife came out on a ride with me. And, uh, you know, a couple days after the tour, he emailed me and said, Hey Dave, I just want to let you know, I just got back from, from a fat tire ride on my brand new fat tire mountain bike. He's like, thank you so much for, you know, introducing me to this sport. So that's the kind of thing that gets wow. me really excited. But yeah. I would say, you know, that's kind of a long answer, but I would say, you know, in general, like, especially for kayaking, you don't really need any experience at all. Um, mountain biking, as long as you know how to ride a bike, I can get you out on a mountain bike trail and show you what it's all about. Right. Well, that sounds good. It's not too scary yeah. then for... <laughs> well, you know, I'm not going to say that. I'm not okay. going to say that. Sometimes people are, are pretty uh, intimidated, especially, like, starting out when we first get out there. But, um, you know, my job is to to allow them to be a little uncomfortable, but also to encourage them and give them some of the tools that they need to be successful and have a good experience. That's the beauty of, again, these small, tr these small groups is I can really make sure that that experience is the best it can possibly be. I think that for the most part, a lot of people are surprised at how much work it is right. to be on a mountain bike. Cause it is a lot of up, you know, you're going uphill and then you're going downhill and then you're going uphill and downhill. So there's a lot, of, you know, it's not a, um, it's definitely exercise, you know, and I think right. some people are, especially folks that aren't maybe, you know, in that, that Mountain Dew drinking extreme sport sort of world, which is 99.9% .9 of our guests are not part of that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, they're, some of them are, you know, like, wow, I didn't realize this is going to be so hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's always smiles. People are, yeah, people enjoy it. And, and the beauty is that, you know what, if, if I'm out with a group and they're like, hey, you know what, that was fun, but we're, we're kind of ready to be done. We can load up and we can go for a scenic drive through Duluth and check out some other locations. And so we can really, you know, it's their ride. So I want right. to make sure that they get what they want out of it, which is really fun. And that's, I, that's why I love doing them. I love the biking. That's kind of, that's kind of yeah, don't like, tell the other guys, but that's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the best part is designing things that you enjoy doing and give mm -hmm. it, keep it fresh. Like you said, Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd be out mountain biking. Uh, any, anyways, I, you know, I'd probably go hit the brewery for a beer afterwards. Anyways, um, you know, going for paddles. And I mean, it's just the beer are things that we love to do, and we want to make sure other people have an opportunity to, to experience it. Mm -hmm. So winter, we were talking a little bit about the fat tire bikes in the winter, and I think winter is a season that's kind of becoming people are realizing there's more opportunities to go places and that cities don't just, you know, or scenic destinations are wonderful any season, but especially winter. I think it's kind of a new season that's kind of attracting more visitors. Um, right. how, how do you feel about that as far as what you're doing with Duluth? I think that you're right. I think um, there's, especially with a destination like Duluth that is really outdoor oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is a growing awareness that there's a lot to do in the winter time. It does, things don't just close down. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Duluth has got, you know, we talked about the, the winter fat tire biking, which is growing in popularity and we're seeing more and more people coming to Duluth specifically for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, Duluth is, is in a great location because not only within the city itself, but around the city of Duluth, there are all kinds of parks, um, whether they're city parks or they're state parks or the national parks or the national wilderness areas, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of great locations around. So we already kind of have a built in sort of adventurous, um, demographic. 
Right. And the local community has really galvanized around mountain biking, around ice climbing. We have a new ice climbing park oh, in Duluth, wow. um, which is really awesome, and in a really strong um, climbing uh, club, and a really strong mountain bike club. Um, the Cross Country Ski Club is amazing, and they're expanding the ski trails here in Duluth. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of effort to develop new infrastructure in the Duluth area. So I think that's starting to help sort of catapult Duluth to the forefront of, of this winter outdoor wreck mm-hmm. sort of wave that you're talking about. Um, right. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a ton of opportunity for people to stay active in the wintertime and to do, you know, to, to explore, explore the state and right. explore this region specifically, for sure. Yeah, oh, definitely. And then being along the lake, I mean, I think the lake is, for people who oh, haven't yeah. been to Lake Superior, I think it's pretty eye-opening, you know, just its size, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's just, this. I guess this, I don't know if strength is the right word, but it's not just what people's idea of a lake is. To me, it's, you know, it's more like an ocean. Yeah, exactly, an inland ocean, and actually, let's see, I was at a meeting the other day, and there was a fellow from the um, Minnesota Sea Grant giving a presentation, and he was like, I wish that we called it something else, because it's not... <laughs> It's not the lake that most people, it's like when you say the word lake, most people have sort of this idea of, of this kind of smaller body of water. It's, it's fairly, um, tame and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of predictable and Lake Superior is none of that. It's, it's a huge, I mean, it's the world's largest freshwater lake by surface area. It's, you know, it's an, it's an amazing body of water that ha- you know, it just does its own thing and it's not necessarily predictable, you know? So yeah, Lake Superior is amazing. It's a huge, it's a huge resource. It's a huge asset. It's just a beautiful thing, and uh, and it's a, I mean, that's the reason why Duluth is what it is and where it is for sure. Um, and yeah, but it, it's a huge draw for people to come up here. You know, in the wintertime, getting getting back on that track a little bit. You know, there's sometimes the lake will freeze over, and there's opportunities to get out on the lake and, and ice skate. You know, we've oh, gone really? out ice skating on the lake, which is super fun. Oh wow! Um, you know, there's there's ice fishing in the harbor. There's a bunch of people that ice fish out there. Um, and then, you know, getting back to the kind of the photography aspect where, you know, we do the fall colors photography, but we're also, um, with, with William Harris, our photographer buddy, um, we're putting together a, uh, a ice and winter photo oh, workshop, nice. um, for February. So that's in the works right now, but yeah, it's, it's super interesting to explore the coastline in the, in the winter. Oh, that's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, I believe sometimes, I know it's really unpredictable as far as the Northern Lights go, but I do believe from time to time you can view the Northern Lights from Duluth. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times it's, it's a little difficult to see them right in, in town, but there's, there are a lot of locations just outside of Duluth where you can, where you can go view the Northern Lights. There's a lot of good spots. So that that would be another activity in the winter as well for people. Absolutely. Yeah. You can go up to like Boulder Lake and go cross country skiing. And then, you know, if you get lucky, the Northern Lights are, are playing around and yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great things to do in the wintertime up here. No doubt about it. Wonderful. On the biking tours, do you ever work with you yourself? Do you ever go out with like a GoPro or a camera yourself or not, not so much? Yeah. So I always carry, um, I, I always have my phone on me, of course, and I, my phone has a camera, as most people's phones do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I tend to snap a lot of pictures throughout the ride, um, and video as well. 
video I think is, is really important. And then usually what I'll do is if I get some good shots, I'll, I'll email them to our guests or text them to the guests so they can have, you know, something to remember their, their trip with. Um, right. And I always like to take people to scenic points to take, you know, to sit down and have some water and that sort of thing. So we can get some good scenic photos. I have been, um, we just bought a GoPro. Uh, I think it was last winter. Oh, wonderful. So I've been starting to carry the GoPro and, and wear it on my helmet. Yeah. But I've also, um, I've also been offering it to our guests to wear if they want to wear the GoPro. Um, I have like a chest uh, harness for it. Uh-huh. Um, so we've started to incorporate a little bit of that. And then definitely for like our, our promotional videos and stuff that we post on our YouTube channel um, and on our website, we've, we've used some GoPro um, footage to incorporate into, into that. So, yeah, I think uh, it's fun. I, I really enjoy the photography aspect of it. I actually grew up with a camera in my hand, basically, as a kid. So, I, I, of all the guys, I probably tend to shoot the most photos. I just, I'm like constantly, I'll, I'll ride ahead on the bike on the trail, and then I'll kind of jump off my bike and get off on the side and take a video or shoot some photos as the, as the guests come cruising by. I like to do oh, that. Oh, cool. Kind of stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a nice added bonus, like you said, for the guests coming that they have that yeah, memory. Absolutely. And you also yeah. um, kind of mentioned that you tailor tours too. So if people have a small group, um, sounds like you're pretty open absolutely. working with individuals and making something really unique, which is great. I mean, that's great. That's, I mean, yeah. what more can someone yeah, we do, for? Well, we do customize stuff all the time for a lot of it is for like business groups that are coming to town for like team development. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, you know, like birthday groups or bachelor, bachelorette groups, that kind of thing. Um, we've done all kinds of stuff, like taking them up to specific locations on the North shore to go for different hikes. Oh, wow. Um, sometimes folks want to do like, we had a group that just contacted us. They want to do an architectural focused history tour. Oh, nice. so they want to, they want to go look, you know, go look at and learn about it. Maybe even get inside of some of the historic buildings in town, which, so we're working on that kind of thing. Um, what else? You know, kind of the sky's the limit. We do have, you know, kind of our, our palette of, um, of different experiences, but we can mix them and match them and, and kind of create different experiences from that, those combinations. So, and then, and, you know, I think another, another thing to keep in mind is that there's, if we don't do it, we know who you can connect with to do it. You know, if you want to, you want to do something really specific and it's not something that we do, we can connect you with people that do it because we're, you know, we try to stay very well connected with our, with other great businesses in Duluth. So it's it's not hard to really customize things if you're willing to give it the time and the effort to really make it special. And that's, that's kind of what our, that's what our sweet spot is, is really making sure it's a great experience. Right. Right. Yeah. So if people have questions, they should definitely give a, um, check out your website, which is the Duluth experience.com. Um, drop Dave an email. Um, it looks like the email on the website is info at the Duluth experience.com. And if there's yep. specific dates that you're coming to town, I'd highly encourage you to check out. There's already a schedule and I'm sure things tend to book up from time to time. Yep, we have our uh, we have our calendar online. You can actually book right through our website, and uh, you can always give us a call if you want to, you know, get more information that sort of thing. Our number is two one eight four six four six three three seven. Perfect, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dave. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. This was great. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, thank you for joining me today as we spoke to Jane 
from Glensheen, Josh with Duluth Scenic Trains, and David with Duluth Experience. Hope you'll make your plans and have a great time in Duluth, Minnesota. If you need itemized itineraries for Duluth or other places, give me a call. Drop me an email at april at aprilart.com or fill out my form on my website, eyesfortheroad.com. Thanks and look forward to joining me next time.